Welcome to the LFC podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. We're so glad you've tuned in, and we believe that God will speak to you today as you listen to this message. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank with them. While Belshazzar was drinking, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in all the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you, Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. God has numbered your days and your reign will be brought to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to another. That very night, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, was slain. Now, If this story were to happen in today's time, it might look a little something like this. 
Jesse didn't worship the one true God. He was proud and arrogant. He also knew about the God of heaven, how he punished his grandfather, Papa Neb, for pride and arrogance. It didn't seem to change the way Shazi lived his life. Shazi had built walls around his kingdom so enemies could not invade and attack. He thought his plan to protect his kingdom from being invaded was perfect. No one could ever defeat him and take away his kingdom. He knew that there were enemies outside trying to invade and attack him, but he was very confident that they would never get to him or his kingdom. So King Shazi decided to throw a party. to show how confident and relaxed he was that he was safe from his enemies. He invited a thousand of his most important leaders. He had lots of food and drink for all of his party guests. What is up, party people? Okay, okay, listen. When I say Shazzy, you say rocks. You guys too. Shazzy, Shazzy, welcome to the party. Shazi came up with what he thought would be a brilliant idea that would show the greatness and power of his kingdom. He remembered the greatness of his grandfather, Papa Neb's kingdom, and how he invaded the land of Jerusalem and captured the Jewish people. His soldiers had taken many of the very special articles that were in the temple where the Jews worshiped their God. Shazi thought that on that special night when he believed he was safe from his enemies to have some of the special things that had been taken from God's temple brought to his party so they could use them and praise their gods. He praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. But God had given special instructions on how to use those items. All the things that were made were made to be treated special because they were made to worship a holy God. Bring the chair, the cup, and the deer. But you see, God would not allow this king to treat his special things in such an arrogant and prideful way. As Shazi and all of his guests were laughing and having a great time, a human hand appeared in the banquet hall. On the wall, a hand began to write a message near the lampstand. When Shazi saw the handwriting, his face turned pale. His body began to tremble and he was so afraid that his knees began to knock together. He said in a loud voice, quick, bring someone that can tell me what the writing means. Whoever tells me what this writing says will receive a purple robe, a gold necklace, and will be the third most important person in all the kingdom. All of the king's wise men were brought in. They looked at the writing on the wall as they looked and they looked and they looked and they looked and they looked looked some more. They were puzzled. They said to the king, we're sorry, but we have no idea what it says. This frightened Shazi even more. 
But Papa Neb's wife was still living at this time, and she had heard the chaos and confusion taking place and came to talk to Shazzy. She told him about a man named Danny. Shazzy, this man has an excellent reputation. He has the spirit of the holy gods in him. He is able to tell people what their dreams mean. You should call for him immediately so he can tell you what this writing means. So Shazzy called for Daniel. Danny said, the most high God has sent you this message. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and has put an end to it. God has seen all that you have done and you are not righteous. God has divided your kingdom and it will be taken over. In essence, you're fired. This was not good news for Shazzy though, but God had seen his pride and arrogance and was going to punish him. That very night, his kingdom was invaded and attacked and they killed him. Can you guys give it up for our students? You know, we thought it would be, uh, because it's back to school Sunday, we've got our kids in here, this is family Sunday, we thought it might be a little fun to just throw some pizzazz in the way that we told the Bible story that we're using today. But hopefully you understood the the point that was being made. Belshazzar decided to use things that had been set apart for God, and he brought them out, and he used used them for his own purposes. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about what it means to be set apart with it's back to school Sunday. We've got students in here, teachers, bus drivers, school administration. Uh, But this message is not just for them, right? This message applies to all of us. What does it mean for us to be set apart for God's purposes? Sound good? Are you guys excited? Come on, I actually think it's really fun too that I get to preach with Pastor Morgan. Uh, We've never done this before. This is new for us. Yeah, brand new and we're going with it. So I hope you guys are ready for a uh, treat. (laughs) We'll see about it after service. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, Pastor Lena, we both got ready this morning, right? We did. Can you tell me like a little bit about your morning routine? Because you know, inquiring minds just want to know. Yeah. So I I usually get my shower. I get dressed. I do my hair. I brush my teeth. I put my makeup on, have some breakfast ready for the day. Oh, okay. So you brush your teeth? I did brush my teeth. Should we ask your husband if you brush your no, teeth? No, I brush, I brush my teeth, I promise. <laughs> well, that's awesome that you brush your teeth because, you know, I brush my teeth too. Um, hopefully everybody in here has brushed your teeth because if not, then that's a little nasty. Did you guys brush your teeth this morning? I see some parents that are like, my kid did not. They got like a piece <laughs> of gum on the way here and you get what you get. It's okay. We're starting new routines yeah, with back yeah. to school. It's okay. Uh, but in all, in all honesty, has anybody ever gone to use their toothbrush and it was already wet? Yeah, that's a super fun You're feeling, already. isn't it? Does it make your, make your stomach turn just a little bit thinking about what that actually means? Uh, because you know that it means more than likely somebody else has used your toothbrush. Can we all just like ponder this for a minute? 
So gross, right? In fact, I'm really like paranoid about this. Uh, so in my house, uh, there's myself, my husband, and my 14-year-old daughter. And we used to keep all of our toothbrushes together on one side of the bathroom sink. And uh, there was one morning that I went in, and like I just described earlier, my toothbrush was wet. And that was the end of it. So now my toothbrush lives on the opposite side of the sink than everybody else's in its own little contraption. <laughs> uh, but... But in all honesty, let's think about what this, I know this is silly, but this is something we do every day that could remind us about what it means to be set apart. You know, if you use, if somebody else has used your toothbrush, it it turns your stomach. It makes you feel a little bit sick. Why? Because your toothbrush is intended for you and you alone. In the same way, we are intended to be used for God and God alone. And what happens when we start to to conform to the things of the world and become like the world? It's kind of like we're letting the world use our toothbrush. And then we're going to go back and give it back to God say, oh God, here you go. Here's your toothbrush back. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Come on, this is so practical. Uh, But today we're going to talk about what it means to be set apart for God. And we thought we would break it down in a way that's super easy to understand, especially because we've got kids in here, we've got teenagers, and let's face it, adults learn the same way sometimes as kids. So here we go, guys. Uh, But we're going to break this down according to our body parts. We're going to go through our eyes, our ears, our mouth, all of these things, and talk about what does it look like to be set apart for God in every part of who we are. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is our eyes. Everybody say eyes. Go ahead and wink at somebody next to you. Okay, the average person blinks about 12 times. That's more than 10,000 times a day. Fun facts for you today. It's impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. You guys knew that? I'm not giving you new information here. How about this one? Your eyes will focus on about 50 things per second. Your eyes will focus on about 50 things per second. So the question is, what are your eyes focusing on? What are the things that you're looking at? Are you looking at things that are going to encourage you in the things of God? Or are you looking at things that are going to steer you away from God's purposes? Right? Think about all the things you look at in a day. Are you seeing the people around you that may be hurting? Are you taking long enough to stop and see what you can do to help? What are the videos you're watching? The reels that you're watching on social media, the books that you're reading, the text messages that you're reading? Are your eyes being set apart for God and God alone? You see, what happens is when we begin to look at things that are worthless, everything else about us begins to change. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but your eyes are actually directly connected to your brain, which then controls your heart. And when you see images and you see things that you are not supposed to see that are things of the world, those things begin to be planted in your mind and then creep their way into your heart and then you have a whole mess. So when we're talking about being set apart with our eyes, What are you looking at? 
You see, the Bible says in the book of Psalm, Psalm 119, 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Worthless things. How many worthless things do we focus on every single day that we allow our eyes to stay fixed on? Matthew 6, and 23 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Church, this is why it's so important for us to guard our eyes, to pray that our eyes would be set apart for God's purposes and God alone. Because when we allow our eyes to look at things that were not intended for us to look at, the enemy has a way of creeping in and twisting the thoughts in our brain, which then affects our heart. And we get a whole host of issues that come with that, right? Pictures and videos of people that don't have all their clothing on, right? These are the things that we need to guard our eyes from. And so when you're riding on the bus at school and somebody tries to show you something that you know you shouldn't be looking at, what do you do? You turn your eyes, you close your eyes and say, no, I don't want to see that. I don't want to look at that. Adults, maybe that means turning our phones off. Students, right? What are we looking at? God desires for our eyes to be set apart for him and for him alone. Hey, Pastor Mo, have you been listening to me? I sure hope so, because that'd be really awkward if I wasn't. Yeah, sure would be. But that's funny that you asked me that, because we're going to talk about our ears next. So, kids see how we or did students, that? raise your hand if you're the best listener. I'm going to put my hand down, because my mom's sitting over there, and, uh, and uh, she would tell me that I was not the uh, best listener. Well, hopefully y'all clean your ears this morning, um, because did you know that your ears self-clean? The wax forms a barrier right inside the canal to help keep them clean. The wax is sticky by design, so it'll trap debris and particles to protect your ears. Okay, now hang with me here. Now, this will preach a whole other message, but I'm not going to go there. Think of the wax as a filter between your ears and the outside world. What are you guys putting to be that filter between your ears and the outside world? Check this one. Your ears are essential for you to maintain your balance. Now listen, I believe that if we look at this spiritually, that it is the exact same thing because what you listen to will have an effect on you even while you're sleeping. Check this next fun fact because your ears never stop hearing even while you're sleeping. You can never turn off your ears. Church, here's my question. Have we turned off listening to the voice of the Lord? Have we turned off listening to the voice of the God of the Most High, the creator of the universe, the one who knows us so well? James 1.19 says, you must all be quick to listen. Church, I think that this means to be listening to the voice of the Lord. We need to be quick to listen. They're not just like, mm, I don't want to listen to that. Mm, that's just not as important. It is so stinking important because we have to set apart these listening things to the voice of God. Or church, maybe you're tuning out the voice of the enemy and listening to the voice of the Lord, or maybe you're doing the opposite. Maybe you're tuning in to those lies that the devil has constantly been speaking to you than tuning out the truths that God is trying to speak to you. Because what you are continually listening to, you will eventually repeat. So even those things that you think really aren't that big of a deal, like 
It's just the music in the background of the car. It's just the TV show that's just playing while I'm making dinner or while I'm getting ready in the morning. We just fast forward through the bad parts. Come on, church, you guys are awful quiet today and that's all right. (laughs) But church, we are supposed to be a leader, not a follower. Shut those conversations down. The conversations that we continuously listen to, the gossip that you're continuously hearing at school students, you will eventually repeat because you're continuously listening to it. Because we become desensitized, we become mute or whatever. You guys know what I'm saying. (laughs) Because what you're continually listening to, you will eventually repeat. And uh, now we're going to talk about your mouth. Because, you know, you repeat. I was a repeater as a lot when I was a kid. My mom probably heard the same 17 stories 47 times. So, sorry, Mom. Um, Okay, so listen. Did you guys know that you'll spend over two months of your life brushing your teeth? Hopefully. And did you also know that your smile is as unique as your fingerprint? And uh, check this one. Research shows that most individuals spend 60% of their conversation time talking about themselves. Whew. That's a lot of time for Morgan to talk about Morgan. But what would it look like, church, if we flipped it? So we took at least 15% of that time to talk about Jesus, to talk about who he is, to talk about what he has done in our lives because it's so, it's so important. So important. Proverbs 18, starting in verse 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. I'm sure y'all are ready for lunch. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Church, what are you speaking, life or death? We have so much power with what we say, with what we speak. It really is so weighty. Those maybe negative comments that you're talking about your coworkers, that you're talking about the weird kids at school. Come on, we're just being real. This is church. If you can't be real here, then... Where are you going to be real? My uh, students hear me say this all the time. Don't talk the talk if you're not going to walk the walk. So that verse in your Instagram bio, those um, really great posts that you're just sharing, but then you're dropping the F-bomb in the next post. Come on, church. We have to do better. We have to be the ones to set the standard, to set the standard. Your mouth should be set apart because if you don't sound any differently than the rest of the world, then it's time to bust out that old bar of dial soap and clean it up. You're also saying something by not saying something. You are reaffirming what the other people around you are. But even if it's really just not that bad, what you put in, you will eventually repeat. Because if the way that you speak or post compared to the way that you actually act doesn't match up, then it looks like we have some decisions to make. Maybe you're a different person at school or work than you are at church. Church, then it looks like we have some re-evaluating to do because there's too much at stake for us to sound like the rest of the world. How is God gonna use us when there's literally no difference with the way that we speak compared to the world speaks? It's so weighty and it's so heavy, but it's so worth it when we begin to change our tune. Wow. You guys are a little bit quieter than first service. We like to hear you. 
You can use your mouth. It's okay. Uh, we're going to talk about your hands next. Everybody give a high five to somebody sitting next to you. Right? Your hands, there are 27 bones, 29 joints, and at least 123 ligaments in the human hand. That's a lot of parts in your hand, right? Did you know that you cannot get a tan on the palm or underside of your fingers? Fun facts for you. Did you know that your fingers are unique, right? We know this. But what does that mean when it comes to being set apart for God? You see, God has designed each one of it specifically with our own unique design to do the things that he wants us to do. And that means with our hands. And so what are you using your hands for? Are you putting forth your full effort when it comes to studying, when it comes to doing all those things for school? Or what about at work? Are you doing just enough to get by and to make your boss happy? Because the Bible talks about how important it is to work with our hands as though we're working for the Lord. And so if we're being lazy with our hands and the things that we're doing, what kind of presentation of Jesus is that? Did Jesus not give it all for us? right? And so when we use our hands to serve the Lord, that means when you unload the dishwasher, kids, without being asked, you know that you're serving your mom and your dad. However, it means that you're also serving the Lord when you do it with the right attitude, right? Spouses, when you go out of your way to to grab a cup of coffee for your spouse, even though they were really nasty to you that day, you're serving your spouse and in turn, you're serving the Lord by the work of your hands, right? And so if we're going to be set apart to serve the Lord, set apart for God and his purposes, we need to make sure that the things that we're doing are actually benefiting the kingdom of God and that we're doing things with the right attitude, right? The Bible talks about in Proverbs 4, I'm sorry, Colossians 3.22, or I'm sorry, Colossians 3.23 and 24. We'll get it right. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. God desires our hands to be set apart, to be used for his purposes. Now uh, we get to talk about the feet. I don't know why I just did like jazz hands while I kicked my foot up, but it's okay. All right, so your feet. Who's sitting next to someone where their feet might be a little stinky? Oh, you guys are going to have some awkward conversations after this. Well, um, I'm the youth pastor here, and so um, the youth students love to keep me informed on all the trends. So I don't embarrass myself. So I'm going to inform you guys on this knowledge that they have bestowed upon me. Apparently, your feet are now called your dogs. And so if your dogs are a little stinky, uh, your dogs might be barking. Uh, So you guys can go into work tomorrow and be like, man, my dogs are barking. And, you know, probably no one will understand what you're saying. But if they do, then that's awesome. I think I just embarrassed the whole front row. They're like, I don't even know who that is. All right, so stinky feet probably means that they're a little sweaty. So do you ever wonder why your feet sweat so much? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. It's because each foot has over 250,000 sweat glands, and those sweat glands can produce 
a cup of moisture every day. Oh, so gross. But uh, kids, by the way, your feet produce more than twice as much sweat as adult feet. So parents, y'all best be washing them socks around and around and around because that's just gross. Um, Check this one. During your lifetime, it's likely you'll walk approximately over 115,000 miles. That's like circling the globe on foot over four times. Church, here's my question to you. How are you walking? Are you walking confidently in truth? Are you walking with a purpose? Because don't go getting your false confidence from other people because that's what our guy Belshazzar did. And you guys saw that that didn't work out very well for Shazzy and he defied the will of God. Uh, Proverbs 4, uh, check out verse 26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. Church, we can't be sidetracked by the world. That means walking with a purpose in your step, walking with a purpose to your school, walking with a purpose to your workplace, to that sports team. You might be the only one who walks with a purpose, and that's okay because we're called to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like everybody else. We're not supposed to walk like everybody else. So that means you're going to have to keep away from some of the things that everybody else is. That means that you're not going to be able to go to the same parties as everybody else. Ooh, I said it. That means you're not going to be able to drink or smoke weed like everybody else. Maybe adults, that means that you don't go into that place because you know you're convicted, but you've just been ignoring the voice of the Lord that goes back to your ears. We have to set the standard and walk with the purpose because there's too much at stake to just be the same as everybody else. We have to set the standard. So good. Let's talk about your brain for a minute. Going back to school, are you guys all ready to use your brains again? Yep. (laughs) Did you know that your brain is not fully formed until the age of 25? Is that not crazy? Right? Some of us just need to be reminded of that. It'll give us a little more patience in dealing with some of (laughs) some people. Your brain is not fully formed until the age of 25. This one's really interesting. Memory... Memory is prioritized by emotion, but this also means that a lot of our memories are unintended, flawed fiction. You catch that? Memory is prioritized by our emotion, right? So our emotions affect our memories, okay? And many times because our emotions lie to us, which we're going to talk about in here in a minute or two, our brains remember things in ways that they didn't actually happen, right? Okay. Your brain is incapable of feeling pain. That's why some brain surgeries are even done without anesthesia because your brain doesn't actually feel pain. Crazy. Can you even fathom? (laughs) Right? The average brain has between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. However, an estimated 60 to 70% of those thoughts are negative. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Church, it is so important for us to make sure that our minds have the correct thoughts. 
that when we begin to feel to think those thoughts that we know are not of God, that we shut it down, that we say, nope, this is destructive. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think these thoughts, right? Because we understand that our thoughts, we become what we think. Have you ever heard that? Because the thoughts that we think affect every part of us. Your brain is like a muscle. You either use it or you lose it. Okay? You have, have you heard that one? You either use it or lose it. So it's kind of like going to the gym and working out those muscles to make them stronger. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves about the truths in God's word. We got to flex those brain muscles and say, nope, I'm not going to believe that lie. I'm going to believe this truth instead. So kids, students, when you're at school and somebody else is getting better grades at you than you, even though you're trying as hard as you can and you start to think thoughts that I'm not good enough, that I'm less than, you can quick flip those thoughts because God says that you are made with purpose, that he has created you, right? Too many of us have unhealthy thought patterns and I'm not just talking spiritually, right? We understand that, that our brains control a lot of what we do. And sometimes following Jesus just has to be a sheer decision just to do it, right? Because our emotions don't always line up. We may not always feel like it. And so we know that we have to do it just because it's something that we have to do. We have to make the determination in our mind, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to walk away from those conversations. I'm just going to close my mouth. I'm just going to go and be brave and talk to this person. Even though I'm terrified, I'm just going to make the decision to do it. Sometimes it's a sheer decision just to follow Jesus. The thoughts we think will eventually work their way out into our words and to our actions. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 and says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Friends, there's an epidemic right now of fear and anxiety and depression and hopelessness. And a lot of those things start in your mind, right? Now, I'm not discounting mental illness. I, I'm not saying that. However, this is not, that's not how God designed our brains to operate, and so sometimes when we begin to think thoughts that are unhealthy and we have these unhealthy thought patterns, we have to stop and ask God, God, would you rewire my brain? Would you reroute my brain so that instead of thinking these thoughts, I'm going to think these thoughts. We need to pray a covering over our minds, over the minds of our kids. I think of the verse where it talks about taking every thought captive. In those moments where you have thoughts that are unhealthy, that go against the word of God, that go against the truth of God's word, you can literally take those thoughts captive. I imagine balling it up in a chain and say, nope, that's enough of that. And you're going to turn it and make it obedient to the, the will of God, right? Our brains control our attitudes 
We have to shut down the thoughts that are destructive and replace them with the truth from the word of God because when we do that, we will experience the peace of God. Then the God of peace will be with you, right? We put these two together because they they function so much uh, as as a pair. The brain controls the heart. Your brain and your heart are connected, Okay, we understand that the brain not only controls the heart, but it it actually like does everything that your body does, right? It's because of your brain, but your heart beats over a hundred thousand times per day. Your heart pumps about one and a half gallons of blood every minute. And over the course of a day, that adds up to over 2000 gallons. But check this. This is something you already know, but I want us to apply it to what it means to be set apart. When you are emotional or upset, the heart rhythms have a distorted pattern. We know that, right? When we get angry, when we get scared, right? Our heart starts to not quite beat so the right way, right? And this affects many higher brain functions, such as decision-making. So we know that when we respond, if we're upset or we're angry, sometimes we're going to respond in a way that isn't always the best, right? Because our heart, because we're upset and we're emotional, our heart has, is beating erratically, which then affects our brain, which then inhibits us from making good decisions, The distorted signals that occur when you are feeling angry, upset, unhappy, and other negative emotions impair your your brain function and your access to intuition, your ability to make decisions. However, when your heart is in a state of coherence, that means that, that it's beating calm, it's beating at the pace that it's supposed to, your brain works a whole lot better. So... What happens? What does it mean to have our heart set apart for God's purposes? I think sometimes that means making sure that our emotions are in check, right? God created us to be created us with emotions. We understand that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be sad. However, what happens when we take those things to the extreme is we begin to make decisions that go against the will of God right? And instead of running to God when we're having these big emotions, we run to other things because our heart lies to us sometimes, right? We understand our heart and our emotions lie to us. How many of you guys have ever made a decision while being upset or emotional that you wish you had not made, right? All of us. And so what it looks like to be people who are set apart for God with our hearts is to say to God, God, I know that you made me to have emotions, but help me to check my emotions. Help me not to let my emotions to get the best of me. Help me to be able to see situations clearly and with your eyes so that I don't make the decisions based off of my emotions. Does that make sense? Kids, what this looks like for you is you're at school on the playground and somebody does really something something mean and nasty to you. And your heart makes you angry, right? It makes you mad. You want to fight back. What that means is, though, you're actually going to walk away from that situation until you've had time to calm yourself down, right? Spouses, when you get into a heated argument, 
right? Instead of letting your emotions get away, well, they said this to me, and I said this, to, you know, I said to this to them, and I had to come back, and, and all it gets heated, right? And sometimes we make decisions because our heart is telling us to do it, even though it's not what we should be doing. Make sense? How about when we begin to give our heart away to people that God did not intend us to give our heart to? Right, students, this is, this is right where you're at. You're learning what it means to, ha- to be in a relationship, to have boyfriends, girlfriends, right? So, spouses, sometimes this is for you too. Who are you looking at with your eyes that's a, connected to your brain that's going to plant seeds in your heart and start to turn your heart away from your spouse because you're looking at things that you're not supposed to? Are you guys following me? Come on, guys. You see, God desires for our hearts to be guarded and bonded to him alone. And what happens is when we become emotional and we start giving into these emotions, we start to give little pieces of our heart away and we become bonded to things that are not supposed to be bonded to. Because that's how God designed us. He designed us to be relational people. And yet he's the one that wants our relationship instead of us going around searching from relationship to relationship. So to be set apart means, God, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to make sure that the situations I find myself in, that my heart is guarded, that I'm thinking clearly. And if I'm not, God, help me to get into a place where I can think clearly, where I don't let my emotions run away from me. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. My favorite Bible, my personal study Bible, it's the fire Bible, but this is the notes that it says under this verse. It says, the heart represents the center of our being, the source of desire and decision. We must not allow anything to come into or flow out of our hearts that is not pleasing to God and helpful for spiritual growth. So we guard what we watch, listen to, read, think about, and talk about. All of those senses are ways that images and ideas root themselves in our heart and affect the type of people we become. Failure to guard our hearts results in a loss of God's blessing and direction, and it puts us at risk of being trapped and even destroyed spiritually. Keeping careful watch over our hearts, using wisdom about what we see, hear, say, and do will add strength and stability to our spiritual lives and keep God's favor on our efforts. Friends, we have got to guard our hearts. Thanks again for joining us today. If you desire to grow deeper in your faith, we want to help you. Text the word GROW to 419-495-6802. To check out all of our upcoming events, head over to limafirst.church and click the events tab. Lastly, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future messages. Be blessed.